Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can give a call. Jake is producing today, so he'll just need your first name when you call. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to your plant material. And Megan, are you spending the night here? No, no. I thought maybe you were so worried about the weather and stuff because when I saw you coming down the hallway, you were pulling stuff that looked like uh, you were in the airport. Well, I... (laughs) You had all kinds of suitcases and stuff. I've got my parka. It's not a suitcase. It's my laptop. (sighs) What? <laughs> got to protect that laptop. Uh, it's got KMOX secrets on it. I see. I thought maybe yeah. you were going to spend the night. No, no. <laughs> I trust uh, I trust our folks with the highways. Um, I think MoDOT and IDOT will do a fine job, and I don't think we'll have any problem getting in in the morning. So even going across that, those bridges and stuff? No, not worried about the bridges at all. All right. Wow. You're Just t- go slow. <laughs> go figure. <laughs> right. Great. Thanks. <laughs> It is Saturday morning. Happy New Year to you, and Happy New Year to Megan and Jake and all the people here and all the people out there. So if you do have questions or concerns about your plant material, after yesterday where it was so warm for New Year's Eve, I didn't even wear a jacket when we went out. It's unbelievable. But anyway, we can have a roundtable discussion. What's going on in your backyard? How is this weather going to change and going to impact your plant materials? <sighs> or how about the front yard? Is your side yard all this water, now rain? Is it really getting soggy? Ugh. And the plant material, how's it going to do with that? How about your house plants, those tropicals? Are they looking okay? Are they looking good? Or maybe, oh, not so good. Uh, you want to have a potting mix? Versus a potting soil? Well, I can discuss the difference between the two. And do you want to improve your soil? Not when it's this wet or when the ground's frozen. You're not supposed to be out there digging around. So wet soils and frozen soils, stay out of them. Uh, Can you find any insects? Yes, there could be some insects. I was surprised. I was sitting, uh, I was out working on Wednesday, and I was surprised. I mean, it was fairly warm on Wednesday, not quite like yesterday. But uh, I saw quite a few gnats, and that's you know kind of caught me by surprise. So anyway, I'll share my thoughts and ideas, and uh, hopefully it will open up and solidify your options with the final judgment 
for the action you're going to take is going to be on your shoulders. And by the, by the way, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home. As I said before, Jake is producing today, so when you call, he will be answering the phone. He also pushes all the buttons and everything else. And uh, I'm Mike Miller. I've been doing the Garden Hotline since 1994. That was in the last century. Oh, my goodness gracious. And I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you like. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and uh, check the homepage, and I'll come over and do a walk and talk where we can talk about specific problems or questions that you have or things that I just notice on my own. And, uh, well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. When I first got up this morning, it wasn't raining. I thought, oh, good, because they were talking about possible rain and everything else. But by the time I had breakfast and went out and was heading for my good gardening stroll, ooh, starting to rain, looks like the rain's going to keep going on, so... Though it was raining, it was 39 then, and now it's dropped down to 37. But luckily, it's not 10 degrees colder, as it will be in a few days or a few hours or who knows when. Then it'll be sleet and ice and everything else for this New Year's Day. Uh, A place that Tracy and I considered going last night for New Year's Eve was downtown Keener Plaza area for the Winterfest. But then uh, we were kind of shocked Because, I mean, the Winterfest has a great combination of visuals and things to do. And uh, it was so warm, we were just going to really enjoy it. But she was checking her tablet and then suddenly found out that Winterfest has been closed, canceled for the last three days. So it was supposed to go till January 2nd, but uh, no New Year's Eve, nothing else. So anyway, I walked around kind of quickly because it was... Raining pretty hard. But the neat thing about the rain is rain on my hair makes my hair even curlier. So it's crazy. But anyway, as I was walking around, I'll tell you, the Salvation Army Tree of Lights was really still so beautifully colorful. It was great. And all the little miniature climatrons were places where you're going to be able to sit and eat the food from the restaurant. And there was outside seating, too. Everything looks so sad, as uh, ice rink did, too. The rain was making the ice rink really glisten. And also it adds some pizzazz to some liriope that was growing around, uh, you know, in the street area or in the bed areas between the sidewalks and streets. Broadleaf shrubs were really shining, too. Even the tree trunks were shining with this rain. And that was because of the streetlights. A sign of the times, oh, no fireworks, no nothing. So last night was a no-no for so many different things. And today's rain is going to, would have limited the winter fest anyway, so that's just kind of the way it goes. So all this stuff, and with all the COVID stuff, it was just kind of a happy new year, yucky, but not really horrible, not not all that bad. So if you do have any questions or concerns or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I'll be back after these messages. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. An interesting thing related to plant material, Tracy and I were out eating last night, and uh, some people got this really kind of strange-looking drink. It was in a coffee cup, and, you know, 
Tracy said, well, what is that? And I forget exactly what it was. Something started with an S, Sophie, or it wasn't Sophie. But anyway, they said that uh, what one of the ways that you can make it is you blend milk and things like that. But then you also grind up orchid roots. I said, really? (laughs) So uh, that's if you've got orchids and they're doing well, then you got those roots that basically hold on to a tree, then you could actually make some kind of drink with cinnamon and foamy milk and all this other stuff. I thought, I don't believe that. But anyway, it was probably true. Let's head to the phones now. Let's go and see what's going on in Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. Good morning, Mike. Happy New Year to you. Same to you. I have an Eureka palm that I have put out on my balcony in a pot for the past two summers. And I brought it in this winter, and it's forming white, sticky, cottony uh, substance along the stem. I don't know what to do with it. Should I throw it away, or should I wash it off? What should I do? Well, basically, you can just use soap and water and just wipe it off. Like, uh, you know, with a paper towel, just gently do it. What that is, is those are mealy bugs, and cottony aphids or mealy bugs, one of the two. And... You know, they just, they got onto your plant when it was out there. Why they did, and they hadn't historically done that, who knows, you know, weather-wise and everything else probably had something to do with it. But uh, you're going to have to just stay kind of on top of it, at least for a while, to make sure that if they laid any eggs, if the eggs hatched and that kind of thing. So you can't just wipe it all off once and think you've taken care of the problem. Or another thing you could do is go to your favorite garden center and get some insecticidal soap, and then you can just spray it onto the plant. Uh, basically, or probably better to, just to spray it where the you know the cottony aphids or the mealy bugs are, and uh, that's all all you really need to do. So you don't really need to get rid of it, but uh, if you want to, you certainly could. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate your help. Sure, my pleasure. But if you had good, yeah, if you've had good success with it for a couple of years, then I would say stick with it. And it's always, you know, insects are really always aggravating, and uh, those kind of things just happen. So uh, let's go now over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. How are you today? Good morning, Mr. Miller. Hi. I've got getting this uh, green moss in my lawn in the front and the back. Uh, can I spray that with something to try to get rid of it? Or do I have to try to rake it out and replant, replant grass seed, or what can I do? Well, basically, the environment has made it so you're going to have this moss. You can eradicate it for a period of time, but the soil chemistry, the setting, and everything else, it's going to come back. So there's no getting around it. So you can either you know fool with it on a regular basis to try to keep it to a minimum or just understand that it's part of you know the environment and that's just, you're going to have to just live with it. So there's nothing that's going to eradicate it totally and get rid of it permanently at all. Okay, there's nothing I can spray with it. Maybe like you would spray this stuff on the house for mildew and mold and all that. No. Clean it up, that's no good. Yeah, the mildew and mold and stuff on the house, that's a different environment. The soil, the chemistry, the shade, the factor of organic materials and everything else, that's why the moss is able to grow there. But none of those factors are related to this, you know, the siding of your house or your garage or your sidewalk or any kind of hardscapes. Okay, I'm going to probably try this spring and I'll try a rake and maybe rake up maybe a 10-foot square area 
just for a test pattern and uh, try to put some grass seed and work it in and go from there with it. Sure. There's nothing wrong with that at all. So do you have a lot of trees in your yard? Yes, I got trees in my yard, correct. So that's, you know, that's playing a, a, you know, a role, too, and also your soil chemistry. So what you might do, too, is get a soil test done. And, uh, you know, University of Missouri does a soil testing and uh, find out what the soil pH is. My guess is probably fairly acidic. So, in other words, it's below 7, which is neutral, and uh, that's why the moss is growing where it is. Okay. Hey, thank you. And from a Polaris submarine, I met you many, many years ago, the best of Missouri, from a Polaris submarine to a B-52. Thank you for your service. You stay healthy, okay? Well, thank you, yes. Yeah, the B-52s, that was me and the Air Force. So thanks a lot. And if anybody else has any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We know it's, you know, it's... Happy New Year. Is this Happy New Year Day? Anyway, it is, yes. But, uh, and so you're busy, you're doing other things, you're still kind of thinking about what went on last night and looking out the window and going, oh, gosh. But, uh, you know, your plant material, if you got questions, like I said before, your house plants, like the lady that had the, the palm that had the uh, uh, cottony aphids or whatever those, you know, those mealy bugs, whatever they happen to be, you know, without seeing them, it's difficult to know exactly what because they kind of both look the same. But uh, take a look at your house plants for sure this time of year because especially if you've had them outside and, you know, you bring them inside, you think everything looks good, you fertilize them, you took care of them and everything else. And consequently, you know what? All of a sudden something starts showing up. And that could be from several different things. And also, if you start to see, you know, gnats, you know, flying around, not just right around the plant, but in other rooms in your house, you may have had some fungus gnats that laid some eggs in your potting mix of your plants. And then consequently, those eggs have now hatched. And then you're going to have the gnats kind of, and gnats are not horrible, but they're just a little bit of an aggravation. So you can certainly do that. Other things that you could be taking a look at, you're not going to be able to do anything related to it. But in your landscape, the cool season weeds, those are the ones that germinated last August. And, oh, man, they're just going prolific. So the annual cool season weeds, um, the henbit, the dead nettle, the chickweed, the chickweed seems to be the most ferocious, at least in my neighborhood or and especially in my yard. The annual bluegrass, the Persian speedwell. And again, I don't use herbicides in my yard. I know it, I, I can get rid of this stuff with pre-emergence and post-emergence, but consequently I don't because I want to see what's going to come up and what's happening. And the chickweed is just exploding. It's all over the place. And the gentleman that had the moss in his yard, I do have an area that are, there is a little bit of moss. But also I have moss growing in between the, the sections in my driveway, so at the expansion joints. But let's go back to the phones, and let's go and see what's going on in John's yard. Hi, John. Hi, good morning. Thank you. I've got a quick question. I brought my fern in a couple months ago, and the quick question is, uh, do I need to turn it, rotate it every day, or if a plant absorbs sunshine from one side, does it help the entire plant, or do you need to rotate something silly like a, a fern? 
That's all it is. That's my question. Yeah. Uh, basically, yeah. you should rotate it, but you don't have to do it daily. Probably every few days, and especially, you know, the ferns generally, you know, can have them bright light. It doesn't matter once they're inside. Outside, you could, I mean, they can get kind of burnt with, due to the, you know, the heat and the direct sunlight. But inside, you know, every, you know, every four, every three to four to five days, just, you know, do a quarter turn, and uh, that's probably the best thing you can do for the plant. Okie dokie. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm curious, uh, do you know which kind of fern that is? Is it? Heck no, I, I, I don't know. Oh, um, I was just curious. I mean, is, it, is it? I was trimming it and got some of the dead stuff off of it. Okay, because I was curious because the Boston fern, which is one that gets pretty big, you know, inside, outside, usually you buy it as a big one. When you bring them inside, they don't really like it because of the humidity factor and things along that line. And consequently, mm-hmm. uh, they drop a lot of leaflets. So I don't know if you've had that problem or not. Oh, this is not very big. My mother-in-law used to have one outside of her house. She kept it out there all year, and the cardinals had nests in it Whoa. all year long. <laughs> and so uh, it was a big one, but this is, uh, no, it's not as big as that. So I don't know what the name is. Okay, no big deal. I was just curious because... You know, sometimes people just get frustrated with them because they drop leaflets and they're constantly having to, let's say, clean up the floor underneath them. Well, yeah, my cat gets in there, too, and she likes to tear it up, too. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. All right. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, John. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And uh, weed infestations can really indicate your, you know, the soil problems, the growing site, the cultural practices may need changing. So that's one of the things that you you can do as well as trying to go after them with a, you know, sort of a chemical post or pre-emergent type thing. And with the cool season weeds and ones that are really prolific right now, you would put your pre-emergent onto the, you know, the areas where they're growing that you would have done that last August. So if you've got a history and you're looking out there and you're seeing weeds that are, you know, growing in various places, consider next year in mid to late August putting a pre-emergent down because that's a best way to control it. And just understand that the pre-emergent, they're very effective, but not necessarily going to be 100% effective. So it may take a while before you can get this, these nasty weeds under control. So just understand that that's the case. And again, the cool season annual weeds germinated last August. They'll do fine all the way through fall. And we're past fall into winter. They'll do fine. They don't care how cold it gets. They'll go a little bit, ooh. But then what kills them off is going to be the heat of spring slash summer. But the whole time they've been growing since August, they've been dropping seed. And that's what the pre-emergent does. The pre-emergent takes care of the seed that has dropped. So just understand that that's what the case. And uh, so, again, henbit, dead nettle, chickweed, annual bluegrass, prickly lettuce, shepherd's purse, rabbit's foot clover, Persian speedwell, those are the main ones that are the cool season weeds. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We've got some phone lines open, but right now let's head over to Cindy's yard. Hi, Cindy. Today. Happy New Year. Same (laughs) to you. 
I have a question. Um, I'm working on a, a small garden area design, um, and it's, it has some woodlands, and it has a one side hillside that kind of you know slopes off into a creek. We removed a lot of honeysuckle, and so I was looking to kind of naturalize with some different little bulbs and you know things like that. We looked at Star of Bethlehem, and it says on the um, Missouri Botanical Garden uh, fact sheet that it's an invasive. Would it be so invasive in a in a woodland setting and more naturalized setting? No, no, not at all. Invasive okay. just means if it you know it's. In other words, you really, in a way, you want invasiveness because you want the colony to expand. But, they, you know, bulbs like crocus, they are not invasive, and they don't really send out, let's say, shoots, you know, from what they are. But, uh, no, this is something that you should probably consider. Also understand, too, the areas where you do remove the honeysuckle, which we, you know, we're all trying to get that under control, just watch out for erosion problems because a honeysuckle— you know, once if you even if you haven't dug up the root system, if you cut the top of it off, uh, then the roots will slowly but surely implode. But then, you know, they, as far as erosion goes, then it's going to be you know some trouble for you. Correct. That's why we're trying to take that off the hillside very slowly. And the you know the areas we do cut, we want to hurry up and plant with something. Hopefully that, you know, stops that, which is why I thought the Star of Bethlehem and different things like that. So, okay, I just wanted to check about the invasion. Well, I'll tell you, if you really want, I don't know what you want to grow in there, you know, beyond that, but you might think about using some of the liriope, the spreading type. So l- lily turf or monkey grass, and if you get the liriope spicata, that's the one that does send out underground runners and they will, you know, colonize an area. Now, they're much; it's much bigger than what the Star of Bethlehem is and things like that. But uh, they're good for ro- erosion control. That's what they use in the Japanese garden at the Botanical Garden. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, it's a, a tough situation. I owned a home in Webster, and uh, I no longer live there. We live in South City, as you all listeners know. But... Uh, the creek that went down the side of our yard was just lined with honeysuckle. And, you know, what I did is every time I took out a honeysuckle, then I would plant something else in its place. And, uh, you know, so I just kind of converted from the honeysuckle to other types of shrubs, some broadleaf evergreens that could take the wet soil of the creek, like uh, inkberries, the Alex glabra, and I didn't want to get the big ones, uh, so I got some of the hybrids like Nordic and things along that line. But, that, that you know, I really got it to where it was minimized the amount of erosion that happened on, along the creek. So now let's head over to Jay's yard. Hi, Jay. Hi. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Um, I had a question about a couple of indoor plants that I have. Um so I started a couple of banana trees that are in uh, soil pots, um, and uh, I've been growing them indoor. I got them from a friend who is uh, who really seasonally grows them outdoors, then brings them in for the indoors. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if you had any uh, tips on, you know, uh, soil, watering them, lighting um, anything. I'm just kind of learning as I go along here. <laughs> one of them's one, one of them's doing pretty well. A couple of new leaves have sprouted. The other one 
has kind of been stagnant, but they're both alive and just uh, wondering uh, any tips on, like, I guess, a tropical plant indoors. Basically, uh, any kind of potting mix, they do very well in that. I guess he gave you the tuber, or did he give them to you in in the pot? Um, I, it, it was the, uh, plant itself and it actually came in a cardboard box. Okay. Um, and, uh, but then I put it in soil, you know, the, I think her, and, you know, it was, uh, I guess offspring of some of the plants that they have. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause bananas do that. They are colonizers. No, there's no getting around it. But as far as the best probably medium to grow it in would be, uh, I don't know what size pot you have in now, but if you want to put them in a little bit larger pot, don't go any larger than maybe two inches bigger than the current ones and use a potting mix, not a potting soil. That's going to be better for them just kind of in general. And uh, always make sure there's drainage holes and then just put a saucer underneath it so when you water, if it does overwater, and it comes out the drainage holes in the bottom. It doesn't get onto your floor or anything like that. And, they're, I mean, they're tough. They're durable. You don't even have to, if you like to grow them because you want to have them as a house plant, just put them in, you know, in a bright, sunny window if you like. You can, put, you can grow them in the basement under grow lights, or you can just grow them in the basement and just with no light and just leave them alone. Oh. And then you'd be surprised that you can take them outside you know, next spring when it warms up, probably mid to late April, early May, and uh, they'll take off on their own. So it just depends upon what you want to do with it. Wow, that's very helpful. And then uh, last question real quick. Uh, any, like, bugs or pests that I should worry about with these plants? Pretty much not. They're pretty tough and durable. The only thing I'd worry about, when I worked at the Botanical Garden, I worked four years in the Woodland Garden, and then one year in the Climatron. And when we were in the Climatron, I just wanted to go back and work there because in 1960, when I was in sixth grade, we took a, f- a field trip to the Climatron, and that was the first year open. So before I left the garden, I wanted to work there. But anyway, back to the bananas. Just watch out. When you cut the leaf off the bananas, just any of that sap, if you get it on your clothes or it drips on the, a carpet or anything like that, it stains and you can't get rid of the stain. Wow. Yeah, so I just I know that. Just well, be careful. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you uh very much. That uh that that, that, that that's helpful. And uh happy happy new year. Same to you. Yeah, there's a, a house very close to us uh that I call the Canna Banana Farm. And this gentleman grows a lot of bananas and he just digs them up uh in the fall and he just takes he shakes all the soil off of them basically and he just takes them the big roots the with and he, he has cut them off to about uh, 4 to 6 inches the trunks and he just takes them into his you know into his basement and just leaves them i mean i don't think he puts them you know he might set them on newspaper or something like that but he doesn't put them in pots or anything at all and then he just brings them out every year, and he's been doing it for years, and he's got prolific numbers of uh, the bananas. So, and he grows a lot of cannas as well. So, he's one of my. I walk by his house a lot, and so anyway, that's why I named it the Canna Banana Farm. And it's like you had Morgan Ford and Federer, and it's a kind of a neat house, and uh, these the plant material is really neat as well. So, other things that you need to be concerned with as. Uh, we are really looking at wintertime, I guess, unfortunately. I shouldn't say that. We like four seasons and everything else. But just watch out. If we start to get some heavy 
snows, then what the let's say the more humid the air is when the snow is coming down, that means it's going to be a heavier snow as opposed to a lighter weight snow. So we're talking about weight. And the heavier snows, a lot of times, they can cause some damage to some of your trees and shrubs and things like that by the weight of the, you know, the snow sitting on the branches. So just be careful. And if you are going to knock the snow off the branches, just do it gently. Don't go out there and just, you know, hit it. And if ice builds up, there's not really too much you can do as far as knocking the ice off. So understand that. And then if you do get some broken branches that you weren't able to, you know, let's say save by cleaning them off or anything else, or they got broken by the the weight of the ice, then wait, and then we're going to have to prune all those broken branches off. So that's one of the sort of the sad parts of snow. It's great looking at it, and if you're a skier, if you just like to walk in the snow, that's great. But the plant material, sometimes it can do some major damage, so just be cautious of that. And uh, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Jake will answer the phone. He just needs your first name. And uh, I'll tell you what, we've had everything's been so nice and mellow as far as temperature-wise and everything else. But we've got this screeching change coming as we're going into the new year. So if you do have house plants and they've been close to the windows and things like that, just understand when the weather starts getting cold, there could be some damage to the house plants, especially if any of the foliage or any aspect of the plant is actually touching the window pane. Even if they're, you know, those fancy schmancy windows and things like that, it could cause some damage to your plant material. So check everything out and pull it back away from the window. Certainly keep it, you know, close to the window if it needs to have that bright light. But once the temperatures, you know, start dropping, which they're going to, there's going to be some real trouble. And also with your plants, if you've got several in, you know, in this situation and now you've got to move some, keep them away from any kind of heat vents because that can cause some browning and some damage to the foliage too. So understand Yes, the cold can do it, but also the heat coming out of the heat vents of your furnace can do some problems as well. So, And when you do water your houseplants, use room temperature water. Don't use, because this time of year you turn on the cold, and I mean that water is really cold. So just, you know, make sure that uh, you put a little warm or, you know, or hot water mixed in with the cold water and get it so when you put your finger down into it, it's Guess what? Feels nice and gentle to you because the plant material is going to enjoy the fact that you did that. Let's head now over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, have a question about Christmas cactus. Uh, have two uh, good sized ones. One I had, it did not bloom this year. Uh, the second one I bought was just full of blooms this year. And all of a sudden, they uh, shrink up or are dead, whatever you want to call it, the mm-hmm. blooms. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. The question I have is, will they bloom next year? They, you know, I mean, it's just, <coughs> yeah, they should. There's, you know, if, how long have you had these? 
the one with that was in full bloom, I bought this year in bloom. Okay. Uh, the other one, it's probably maybe two, three years old. And the one and that you've it, had. It's really healthy. Yeah, the one that you've had, have you had, you know, for a period of time, has it historically bloomed? As far as I know. Okay. As far as I remember, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go for that. Uh, yeah, I don't have any trouble with plants. I understand, but it did not farm anything this year. Yeah. Or do you put it outside or you just leave them inside all year outside. round? Outside. Outside in the summer. So yeah. you're doing everything just right. So, you know, the, the, all the, you know, whether the Thanksgiving cactus or the Christmas cactus, what happens yeah. is what triggers the bud set and everything else. Once you bring it inside, it's, you know, I mean, it's been warm outside. And even with the, you know, you leave it out there, leave it out, you know, later in the season because cool temperatures is what really triggers the bud formation. So the tropical part of the world that they grow in is this time of year, Thanksgiving slash Christmas, that's really the coolest time of year, and that's what triggers the growth, you know, genetically for them. So you're you're trying to duplicate that situation in your own home. So make sure that you don't have them sitting close to any kind of heat vents or anything like that at all. And they like— Good light, right? Yes, they need good good light. Is you know, it's I mean that's it's great for them. Yes, right. But from, because they're tropical, so to speak. I brought them in before it freezes, like in October. Right. Uh, but the one that I bought that was in full bloom this year, uh, like I said, all the blooms are hanging over, dead. Uh, do will it bloom again? I clean all that off. Will it uh, bloom again next year? It should. I mean, there shouldn't be a problem with it. The problem is a lot of times when we buy the plant material, you know, at the production greenhouses and nurseries and things like yeah. that, you know, they're they're putting materials in there to, you know, to make they it so they're going to bloom. And so yeah. consequently, but, uh, you know, go to your favorite garden center, tell them that you've got the Christmas cactus, see what kind of fertilizer that they might, you know, they may recommend because if they've been in this, you know, in the same soil for quite a while, the nutrients in that soil may be just depleted, and they don't need a huge amount of fertilizer, but it wouldn't hurt to fertilize them probably using a cactus-type fertilizer. Right. I have cactus uh, here. Uh, Do I go ahead and pick up all these dead ones? Yeah, any kind of the spent flowers you might as well take off because they're, you know, I mean, they're just— There's maybe 20 on it. It was a beautiful plant. That's why I went ahead and bought another one this year. So. Uh, and then there's no clean them up and leave them set somewhere. They don't necessarily need a lot of light or worried about them the rest of the year. Yeah, they can go outside. Well, they do need light, but they you know don't push them back away from the windows too far. But again, okay. the cool the cool temperatures is much better for them because they're really from a mountainous type area. Right I in South America. So, with I put them with my African violets, that type of light. Uh, that should, uh, yeah, that should be okay. Yeah, because the, I've got about six African violets that are coming into bloom now. Uh, okay, I'll put them put them all together with that. Great. Thank you. Certainly. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Probably won't have time to talk to you before the news, but uh, if you want to get online and everything else, you know, that would be great. 
Uh, just understand, too, that uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff going to happen. And if you've had mold problems in your landscape, when the st- soil temperatures start getting cold, what that does is that prevents the earthworms from moving. And what makes, you know, earthworms are the main diet for moles. So how a mole finds an earthworm is they have really sensitive ears and they can actually hear uh, earthworms crawling through below the surface. And that's why they tunnel in the directions they do. Now, they certainly do eat other insects as they're tunneling towards the earthworm sound, but realize that they're, you know, they'll eat those, but they're still going to eat the earthworms. That is their main diet. And when it starts getting cold, the earthworms are not going to, you know, the soil starts getting really cold. Earthworms are not going to move. So then the moles are probably going to head towards the hibernation. They have two sets of tunnels. One set of tunnels is the surface tunnel. That's the buffet line. That's their eating line. But they have one that's about a foot deeper, and that's the one that leads them back to their den where they can sleep and hibernate and think, you know, do things along that line. So just realize that if you start to see you know, piles of dirt in your landscape and you don't understand what's going on, it's the moles digging the, the lower tunnel. And so... I mean, the female, I mean, this den when they go where they go to, you know, hibernate or rest or whatever, but they still keep their ears open for any potential uh, sound of earthworms because they want to eat. But that's where the females have the babies, too. So that's not going to be now. That's going to be in February, usually, is when they have them. And uh, so if you do have any questions or concerns, 314. 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, I'll be giving the garden hotline tip of the trowel in a few moments, but right now you can give us a call at 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments, Jake will be answering the phone. He'll just need your first name, and that's it. And, Megan, how long are you working today? I think I'm in until about 1. So, oh. So, so I'll, I'll miss the worst w- of the weather. So you'll get home before all the crazy stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Good. There's not many people on the roads today anyway, so hopefully that'll help. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm curious. You know, when you see these salt trucks, you know, MoDOT and IDOT and all those other things, they're always throwing the salt or de-icer, I don't know, it's not technically salt, uh, off the rear end. So, But that, that doesn't help their wheels. So I don't know how they you know, maintain sanity as far as if the roads are slippery. They must have some, well, and they're heavy, they must have some super-duper treads <laughs> on those things. But They'd on, have to. On ice, I don't know how that helps. So anyway, I was just curious. I know, because they cook. They they go pretty quick. You aren't kidding. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, great. Just be careful when you head home. Yes, folks. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. And we can discuss plant selection, cares for, ups and downs, and all the rounds of annuals. I swear, I cannot believe. Here it is. Basically, Tracy and I have been out the last couple days and there's pansies in several different locations that still look really darn good. That's incredible. I never have remembered that pansies this late in the season. And uh, bulbs, 
uh-oh, all of a sudden you were going through your closet or through the garage or something and found a bag of daffodil bulbs. You didn't get those planted. Well, when it's this wet, you can't really plant them. And when the ground freezes, you can't really plant them. But you can still hold on to them. And what you could do is put them in pots with potting mix and then bring them inside, water them, and put them in a sunny location after, you know, let them cool down first, leave them in the garage, and then put them in a sunny location. You could have them blooming in the pots later on, like uh, in April, May. How about edibles? That lettuce. Lettuce is one of those cool season vegetables. And the ground covers, boy, oh, boy. Some of the ground covers I've seen have been just buried with all the falling leaves. And what you do is, and what I did, is I set my mower high and just ran over the top of it and just chopped all the leaves up and then let those chopped up, mowed up leaves fall down into the ground cover. How about your lawn? My zoysia is totally tan brown, except there is some green stuff in there. And what that means is there's probably some annual bluegrass that's growing in my zoysia. How dare it. Your perennials, any of the perennials other than the fall bloomers, uh, that still have, let's say, debris hanging you know, above the ground or whatever, go ahead and cut that off because it's just you know, potentially problematic. Your roses, if you have the hybrid teas, grandiflora, floribunda type roses, you want to cut those back and put about uh, six or eight inches of mulch over that graft. Your trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take towards success, but strictly offered for you to consider. As I said before, Jake is running the big board and uh, consequently not only pushing buttons and everything else, but answering the phone. During the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home, I can share 40-plus years of experience as I look at uh, your landscape, your plant material, and things along that line. Tibble Trials, a special recognition for an individual or group or a situation that's made an impression on me is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Well, you know, first of all, Happy New Year to everybody. And I'm going to give a tip of the trial to Tracy because she puts up with all my craziness every day. And, uh, I, you know, she gets a tip of the trial. But also, I mean, some of the people with, the, you know, the holiday lighting, I mean, some of it's just been absolutely imagined. Unbelievable. Let's put it that way. And we've got a couple of places we go to, and they actually have it where when you get up close to their house, you tune into an FM station with certain songs and music, and all their lighting then keeps the beat with that with the music. Different kinds of songs, everything from U two to uh, Mannheim Steamroller, and all kinds of different things. Really crazy, and uh, but <laughs> totally enjoyable. So we've. Done that a couple times. So tip of the trial goes out to everybody that has spent lots of energy making it so nice. And even walking, you know, I take walks during the day as well as, you know, going out at night and stuff. But uh, a lot of people, you can tell that just, I mean, the decorations they did really look very, very nice. So thanks to everybody. And, again, thanks to Tracy for putting up with my insanities every day. Because I am kind of a crazy person. There's no getting around it. Let's go. How about uh, and see what's going on with Dee Dee right now? Hi, Dee Dee. Okay, I've got uh, happy New Year's to you. I've got six pecan trees in the yard, 
and they're about 54 years old. Is there any way I can fertilize them? And how can I? I swear, each tree's got a different size and shape of pecan on it. But I've got one that's got some really nice big pecans. And how can I start them? Do I have to crack them, just bury them, or what? I would probably just uh, bury them. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't fool around with it. But how you can fertilize them, what you do is you do something, rather than fertilizing the trees per se, you want to fertilize the soil, and then fertilize the, the, then the soil will fertilize the trees. But what you do is you go... It's called deep root feeding. You go halfway from where the trunk is to the extension of the branches. And then you auger holes six inches deep with an electric drill. And then you backfill those holes with compost. And then you go out about one or two feet more and then do it again and do it again. So you're feeding, again, this is where the feeder roots of the trees are. So consequently, that's where you want to put the compost you enrich the soil, and then the soil will take care of the trees. Well, what kind of bagged compost or? Yeah, just so it's, you know, it's compost, compost. That's, you know, just, you know, that's basically what you want to do. So bagged compost is fine. If you can get, okay. if you want to get it in bulk, you can, but you don't have to. Okay, now, uh, when you bury them, how, well, my grandfather years ago was, had, took milk cartons and sprouted these pecan nuts down in the old cellar that didn't have any heat in it. Yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead. Well, can I start those? Because I do have some squirrels in the neighborhood, and they might dig them out. Well, they're not going to really dig them out, so they're not smart enough to know. They only dig where it's easy to dig, so that's why they dig in pots and things along that line. So okay. I wouldn't be uh, overly concerned with them. If you want to put them in your basement where it's cool, then you can follow, you know, the history of what your family has done. Okay. Well, how deep would I bury them in the ground? Uh, probably about three or four inches. Three or four inches. Okay, fine. And just make sure it's a well-drained area, and uh, then just kind of, and maybe even in a garden space, if you have a garden, you know, a garden area, or you want to create a garden area, and that could be your pecan farm. Okay. All right. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Yes, folks, why should you have your soil tested? Well, soil conditions have a huge impact on your plant material. It doesn't matter what kind it is. And what it does, a soil test indicates the soil pH and the nutrient level. A lot of people have broadleaf evergreens like boxwood, azaleas, rhododendrons, hollies, and the discoloration on the leaf. That has a lot to do with many different factors, but pH is one of the major factors. So all those broadleaf evergreens need an acidic soil. So you don't know what your soil pH is? Well, you get a soil test done. And less than 7 is, guess what? That's acidic, so that's what you want. Also with your lawn, I mean, for years people kept saying, put lime on your lawn. If you haven't had a soil test done and you put lime on your lawn, you may be creating a major problem because lawns like the soil pH slightly acidic, like 6.5. So understand that things have been thought for years and years and years, and it could be problematic. And if you've been fertilizing with the same fertilizer over and over and over for several years, the, the last two numbers – basically are phosphorus and potassium. So in other words, you buy a bag that says triple 12. And guess what? 
The last two numbers of phosphorus and potassium stay in the soil for multiple years. So you don't need to keep putting it back. And then what you find out that that the excessive levels of phosphorus and potassium can cause problems for plant material. So those are the kind of things that you're going to be finding out. Also, that you're going to be finding out that, oh, there's certain nutrients that are not in there, in your soil, which would help your plant material just overall. It's tough to grow things here. There's no getting around it. So whether it's lawn, whether it's, you know, trees, whether it's wildflowers or anything else, uh, you know, butterfly garden, all that stuff, it's very specific things, and it's going to make a difference. And the only way to find out is have your soil tested. So there's no getting around that whatsoever. Other things that you need to be thinking about in your own in your own yard as you take a look outside is just, uh, guess what? You've got some forsythia in your yard. You've maybe got a pussy willow, maybe a crab apple tree, maybe a quince. What you can do this time of year, you can go out and just cut some branches off. You know, let's say 8 to 10 to 12, maybe 14, 16 inches long. And then bring them inside. When you make the cut, cut it at a 45-degree angle, and then you can bring them inside and place those stems that you've cut off, in other words, the branch tips, in a warmer water, and then set that in a cool location. And in a few weeks, you're going to see some spring flowering inside your house. So you're forcing the blooms indoors. So that's really kind of a cool thing. Other things that you can, you know, get some color this time of year too, and especially since it's, you know, we're really headed towards winter. Winter is you know, paper white narcissus. They're in the family with the daffodils, yes, but they they're strictly a tropical type thing. You grow them inside, and then you really throw them away. So they do. They'll have a pure white flower, very nice. A little bit different as far as the fragrance goes, but that's something that you can still get at the garden centers and force because you don't even have to have them in soil. You can force them by just putting them in, you know, let's say a shot glass with water where the, the bottom of the, the bulb is uh, you're going to have where it's going to, you know, stay damp. So that's one of the things you can do. Let's go over to Jenny's yard now. Hi, Jenny. Hi. I had a couple questions if you have time. Sure. First one being about our gumball trees. Uh, is there a way to limit the amount of gumballs that fall? I'm struggling with uh, having to spend so much time picking those up. Basically, there's an injection system, and what it does is it has to be injected into the tree at a very specific time, or what you can do is also have a tree service come out, and when the sweet gum tree is in bloom, and it has to be that specific thing, they can spray and what it, that does is interrupt the, you know, the flowering cycle, and then consequently, without any flowers, then there can't be any sweet gum balls. So, but these things have to be done on a yearly basis. It's not like you can do them once and then not have sweet gum balls. Okay. And then about what month does that happen? Uh, you're probably looking, well, it's all going to be dependent upon the weather, but I would just call your favorite uh, you know, tree service and uh-huh. see what, you know, what they're, let's say, projecting what? as far as you know, the time goes. But it's going to be okay. in the earlier spring. Okay, so you think there's some success to doing something like that, maybe? Yeah, I mean, again, uh-huh. it's all with the timing. The injection, yeah. you know, Basically, they don't necessarily have to do it, in, you know, 
as specifically as they do the spray, because the spray has hit the flowers as they're opening, and the injection goes in and works its way up. So that might be able to be done you know, a couple months ahead of time. But you, yeah, yeah, not so much right at the time. Right. Okay. Yeah, we might try that. I don't want to necessarily remove the trees because they are nice in the fall, but at the same time, it takes so much time to pick pick them all up. Uh, and then my second question is: you were talking about uh, eradicating honeysuckle earlier, right. and so I have a uh, kind of a natural area that runs between our two houses, and we have cleaned out some of the honeysuckle just because it was taking over. And then we've got some trees in there, but what would be something nice to kind of replace in that natural area there to give some, uh, you know, to fill in where we've removed some of the honeysuckle, uh, like maybe some sort of a shrub or something that would be kind of a naturalized, you know, something taller to give some, uh, visual uh impact in there right uh is this area wet or is it just Uh, you know it's really not it's kind of on a hill that slopes down it is part of a creek that runs through the subdivision but this particular area isn't really uh along the creek well i mean you can sort of you know pick your own kind of favorite shrubs but i take a look at maybe the oak leaf hydrangea that has a really kind of unique shaped leaf it looks like mm-hmm. an oak leaf, only it's, they're huge. They bloom, mm-hmm. and then they give you good fall color. And there's still several of the, They're deciduous, but there's still several oak leaf hydrangeas that are still holding onto their leaves now with the good fall color that they have. So yeah. I would look at yeah. that. Now, they are deciduous, so they're not going to block the view or anything along that line. And, yeah. And uh, maybe take a look at if you want something that's going to be, you know, an evergreen-type circumstance— Take a look at the arborvitae. Okay. I thought that those were more skinny and upright, no? Well, well they are upright, yes. There's no getting around it. But maybe a combination of the two. So I uh-huh. don't know you know, you know, how much space there is in there. But uh, yeah. that way they kind of play off each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay, good suggestions. Thanks so much. Appreciate sure. it. My pleasure. Okay. Yeah, and they both, and not only do they both, let's say, aesthetically play off each other, but also they, you know, with soil types, they both like an acidic soil. So just realize that. If you wanted to think about some of the hollies, I mean, you could do the American holly, which is the upright one. That might be a little bit too big. But there are also several different kinds of shrub-type hollies, like the, you know, China boy, China girl, those type of hollies. And then if you do want the hollies and you want the holly berries, then you're going to have to get, you can get several females and just get one male and plant it, let's say, among the females. So you could do, you know, a really unique combination of things in this situation, which all they, again, need an acidic soil. So if it's close to your house foundation, just realize that the cement of your house foundation can change the soil pH and make it more alkaline rather than acidic. So... Let's head now over to Roger's yard. Hi, Roger. Good morning, Mike. Happy New Year, and I do enjoy our show. Well, thank you. Um, A a few years ago, I I built a a small raised bed. I've been using the raised bed mix. And my question is, um, I got thinking that raised bed mix might make a good potting mix. What's your thoughts on that? Well, are you going to leave the pots outside? 
Yes. Uh, you could, you know, you could certainly use that. I mean, there's no getting around it. And it's, it's certainly, you know, going to be a little, from an economical standpoint, cheaper than the potting mixes, which uh, that's what I generally use. I don't use the raised bed mixes, but yeah, I mean, that would work out perfectly. Okay. Thank you. Sure. And it just, I mean, obviously it depends upon what you're going to try to grow in the pots. And speaking of pots, um, for uh, there was that period of time earlier, let's say in November, where we had an extended dry periods. And so I was having to water my pots, and that's the pots that I have are the ones that I put the daffodils and tulips in. And I knew that they were dry, so I was having to bring out buckets of water. This was after I already put my hoses away. So, but now we finally got a, a period of rain and everything else and uh, obviously today, but uh, over the last, you know, last couple of days and the humidity level has gone up and that's been to the advantage of the plant material just kind of in general. And, uh, you know, we kind of live in South City, but, uh, you know, kind of a hilly area. And some days, I mean, the fog has been <laughs> so dense and thick. It's been absolutely unbelievable. And it's really kind of neat to see. I really it's really kind of a, a fun circumstance. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Yes, folks, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you've had a history of, let's say, any kind of problems with pests, you know, with insects or, let's say, fungus or anything like that, and you don't have any stuff that you stored in your garage over the wintertime, and hopefully you stored it where it wouldn't freeze, or any of the granular stuff you didn't leave sitting on the garage floor because guess what? That could create a humid situation, and then it could turn everything in kind of like a block of granular stuff. And if any of the liquid stuff freezes, that really sort of negates any kind of quality or ability that it has. Uh, You might start taking a look, obviously not today or the next couple days necessarily, but uh, looking at your fruit trees. If you do have some fruit trees, a gentleman sent me an email. I haven't responded, unfortunately, but he has uh, fruit trees, an apple tree, actually, and he gets so many apples that it starts cracking some of the branches. So what you have to do is kind of control the number of apples. Also, he sent me a picture of his tree, and he's got a lot of twigs, you know, a lot of vertical growth on it, and you got to clean that up. So... What you a good way to do it is head over to like Eckert's Orchards or you know professional orchards that grow fruit you know fruit off their trees and you can see a lot of them you know have been pruned to look like an upside down umbrella so you want that you know kind of attitude you don't want a lot of leaves and a lot of branches and a lot of twigs and vertical stuff and all this other stuff because that can cause just in general problems. And, you know, flowering is wonderful. It's great. It's nice to see. But the fruiting aspect can really cause some problems beyond just simply the weight of the fruit breaking a branch. It can make a, you know, it can make just in general, just in general, just stress. So let's head out now over to Mike Shard. Hi, Mike. Hey, uh, I was just curious. Uh, we have a Christmas tree at Douglas fir. If I would strip those green needles off and put them around my azaleas, will that add acidity to the soil or help anything? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can use the green needles, and they won't. Uh, that'll be a good 
mulch for the top, uh, for around the bases and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you could even cut the branches off in relatively small pieces and uh-huh. lay them around there, too, so you don't have to, like, strip the needles off. Oh, okay. There's some white pines that grow in the park right across the street from us. And I go over there, and I, I actually uh, you know, pick up some pine cones and some needles and some branches, and put, I put it under mugo pines and boxwood and things like that. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot. That's really my only question. I'm just getting ready to, to take the uh, decorate, so that was one of my things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, make good use of it. And, I mean, you know, even outside you can, uh, I mean, if you have, if you're going to do some pruning on any kind of, you know, evergreens, whether they're used or anything else, I mean, to let those, uh, you know, needles fall where they are, the branches fall, or put them under anything you want, it would certainly be to the, you know, to the benefit. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate your information. Sure. It's my pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And uh, let's say you've got a poinsettia. Bright window, that's where it's got to go. It's got to be near bright light. And also water your poinsettia when the top of the soil feels dry. So, But avoid overwatering. Just be really careful and this is really truly with you know the majority of the houseplants. A lot of time, there's too many, too much watering done. We don't really quite you know understand that. Oh, too much water. What that does is drown the root system, and that causes some real problems. This is a good time of year if you want to you know start checking out some of the catalogs that come. If you want to get some uh, unusual things that you want to grow that you haven't grown for a while. So you can uh, maybe rhubarb, maybe grow some asparagus, maybe some strawberries or blackberries or raspberries. And what you're going to do is you can order them from, the, the let's, let's say, the catalogs, and they're going to ship them to you because what you're gonna, when you're going to plant them is going to be March and April. So, yes, that's a couple months away, but uh, it's really easy to do, uh, you know, if you've got them there. And they're probably going to send them bare root. And there's nothing wrong with bare root. But if you do get, you know, plants that are bare root, just make sure that the root system does not get dried out. That's really super important. Uh, And just, uh, again, I'm going to keep repeating because now that the weather's getting colder, that means your furnace is going to be coming on. Watch out for your plant material and keep it away from, you know, the heat vents. And because that is really one of the major problems just in general. And uh, if you want to, as I said before, forcing bulbs, probably you can go to your favorite garden center and they're probably going to have some potted up already for you so you don't have to fool around with that. And so consequently, you can just bring them home, water them, put them in a sunny window and uh, in a, let's see, probably mm, maybe four or five weeks you're going to have daffodils in bloom. So that's another you know, fun thing to do. Uh, what, what you need to be thinking about, too, is just how, you know, how much fertilizer that you have, how much fertilizer that you have been doing, and should you continue to do. Again, I'm going to keep repeating because a lot of times people just use the same fertilizer over and over and over again, and it's not really all that. That's not really what you should be doing. So just keep that in mind. So your 
you can be still doing some mulching. You're not going to get out there, obviously, in the rain. But if you haven't had a chance to mulch around your perennials, two about two inches of mulch, that would be perfect for them around them. So just kind of keep that in mind because what that does, especially with this you know cold weather that's coming, there uh, there's going to be some freezing and thawing, and that's really damaging to the root system of the plant material. So in other words, when it freezes, it kind of sucks everything down. And then when it thaws, it opens things back up. So that can, you know, actually lift, and especially any kind of plant material that's been in the ground only a couple years can lift it up a little bit and expose the crown of the plant, and that's where some trouble can come in. So that freeze-thaw cycle, which it seems like we're just, you know, destined for because they, you know, they talked about how cold it's going to get, and then it's going to get up to, you know, in the 40s. That type of thing can do some, you know, damage to your plant material just kind of overall or just in general. So other things that you need to be doing is just walking around your yard and uh, just taking a look at stuff. I was just, in, you know, amazed at how many, you know, yards that I walked by that, uh, you know, and I know it's a lot of work to, you know, when leaves start, you know, falling or blowing in from other places, not necessarily falling from your own trees, and you get the leaf de- debris, you know, piled up, that creates a really humid, you know, problem underneath that. So whether it's for your lawn or whether it's for your ground cover or even some of the perennials and things like that, just mulch and things along that line is very different. It doesn't hold the humidity levels the way just piles of, you know, leaves piled up can do. So just you don't want to have that kind of that kind of stuff happen. So we do have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Guess what, folks? As the weather gets cooler, well, I mean, you know, if you live in an area where deer are problematic, understand that... uh, they could be really get, doing some major damage to your plant material. There's no getting around it, whether they're you know, rubbing, you know, marking the territory or whatever it happens to be. So just keep that in mind. There's lots of repellents and things along that line. But one of the repellents in theory that's not technically a repellent is I have historically over the years talked to people that have used just Irish spring soap. Hanging bars of Irish spring soap on some of your trees will deter the you know the deer from that particular location. And once they get into a habit of going to you know walking in a certain direction, they do the deer droppings. They follow that smell, and that's where you know that's where the problem comes in. Is they get they know where there's good places. I mean, I've heard people talk about how the deer just kind of even come up. I don't want to say on their porch, but basically right up to their house. And just kind of lay down and take it easy and then get up and get a snack or whatever it happens to be. So early spring, yes, the deer are going to be having it. This is not early spring yet. We're still in the middle of winter. But that's, just, you know, that's going to be one of the problems. And one of the things that they really like is the arborvitae. They like the azaleas and rhododendrons. They like lots of different kinds of you know things that can be, guess what? Mountain ash, chestnuts, pecan trees, all sorts of fruit trees and small fruit-bearing plant material are often damaged by the, you know, the browsing deer. So just be smart. 
and no getting around it. Also, start you know keeping in mind that you know depending upon the temperature, uh, you're going to start maybe seeing some of the early you know early spring blooming bulbs coming up, like the snowdrops and something like that. And there's nothing wrong with as soon as you start to see the foliage come up out of the ground to go ahead and fertilize and fertilize whatever you want to use. It's really kind of up to you. Uh, but always, if you're fertilizing the bulbs, do it at about half the label rate. And that's, you know, very, very important. So if you do it too strong, it's not going to be, you know, good for the plant material. But uh, fertilizing them is really kind of, you know, good and fine. So some of the other, you know, troublemakers that you need to be thinking about, a lot of them are just weather-related, and especially when we get these, you know, high humidity, you know, times of year and everything else. So just know that this is really, it's very, very difficult. There's so many things, different, you know, going on. So uh, just, you know, keep it in mind. And your lawn, just, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, if you have a cool season lawn, like a bluegrass or a fescue, and you've noticed that it's still growing, definitely, you know, there's nothing wrong with cutting your grass this time of year. And what I, you know, I cut, my zoysia is not growing, but I cut the leaves that are on top of it to uh, just kind of chop them up. So in other words, I have a mulching mower, and that's really something really pretty good that, you know, helps out. I've seen a lot of the ornamental grasses that have not been cut back yet. So if you want to cut your ornamental grasses back, you can. And what you a good way to do it is basically just take some bungee cords, put it all the way around the ornamental grass, and then you can use a hedge trimmer. And depending upon the type of ornamental grass that you have, you can cut it off at about uh, about uh, let's say ten, eight to ten of you know twelve inches high, and then the blades are held together by the bungee cords. And then you can just kind of take them and dispose them. If you have, if you live in the city, you can put them in the yard waste dumpsters. Or you can put them in your compost pile or cut them up into smaller pieces and, you know, and do it that way. So that's one of the things you can do and just, uh, you know, keep that in mind. Also, if you do have dogs, understand that the what happens as a result of the dog urine, it has a high nitrogen content. And that's what does the damage to the plant material. So it's not because it's salty or anything else. It's because it's too much nitrogen. So that indicates to you that if you're putting fertilizer down that has high nitrogen, then it's not going to be good for the plant material just, you know, in general. So if you do, uh, you know, think about those kind of things and just kind of put the whole picture together and understand that all your, you know, your front yard, your backyard, your side yard all has, uh, let's say, different exposure and thing and things along that line. And we are getting the rain right now. But just remember through the winter, and it's, it's somewhat difficult because a lot of us put our hoses away, but if we have extended periods where we're not getting any rainfall, then it could do some damage to the plant material's root system. And so we really want to have about an inch of rain every 7 to 10 days. So, you know, keep that in mind is what, one of the things that you, you really need to do. And to go back to the soil testing— you can go, you can drop off your soil sample. What you want to do is you want to get about a zip, regular like sandwich, sandwich size Ziploc and take soil samples from several different locations from, from a, uh, let's say, a garden space. So in other words, 
and just like an ice cream scoop full at several locations. And if it's, you're doing one for your lawn, don't mix the one for the lawn in with the garden space because you want to have the test results for each area. And same thing, pull up your sod and, you know, cut the sod off a little bit, lift it up, and then get, you know, get the soil. Minimize the amount of, let's say, root systems that you get. Minimize the amount of grass blades that you get if you're doing the lawn. And then mix them all, mix it all together. And then what you can do is if you, you know, if you want to take it to the university, University of Missouri does the, you know, does the testing and you can drop it off. There's a location in Kirkwood that you can drop it off. Also, there's locations in the city to drop off your soil sample. So in the city, you can drop them off at Brightside St. Louis. They're on Shenandoah or Gateway Greening. So that's another, you know, good, good place to do it. And a soil test is how much? Well, you'd be surprised. The information that you're getting and what it can save you is the cost is $25. So it's really pretty inexpensive, and it can save you a lot more money than what that, you know, what that's doing. So just keep, you know, keep that uh, thought in process. And also, if you live and you don't, you're not able to get to some of those those locations, the Kirkwood location or the Brightside St. Louis in the city, there are private companies that do the soil testing. And especially like uh, over in Illinois, there's uh, soil testing on SGS, which is in Belleville, 1511 East Main Street. And you can, you know, give them a call. They have another location too. And uh, so just that's really, really important to get those soil tests done. If you don't get the soil test done, you're just you're just guessing, and guessing is not the best way to go about, you know, growing plant material. So there's no, you know, I mean, there's no getting around it. And the, as I said before, the soil test is a perfect gauge for soil fertility, and as as an inexpensive way to do it, twenty five dollars for good plant health, for good soil, and everything else. This is how it is. And the best time to take a soil test, well, soil tests taken in the spring or fall is, are really good ones. And you, don't, you can't, don't want to take a soil sample when it's this wet because it's going to mess up things. So as soon as this, everything starts drying out, uh, yeah, get a soil test done. Save yourself, save your plant material and everything else. And as I, you know, I keep reminding people, there's certain, the majority of plant material wants their soil slightly acidic. Other things, there are a few that don't want it acidic, like lilacs and a few uh, clematis, some plants like that. But f- overall, it's going to be the acidity that's going to make the big difference. So the soil test is the, really the only precise way to determine the, you know, the soil quality and everything else. And the at-home type testing is not really going to be the best. So why not have a professional do it? It's kind of like maybe you are capable of working on your own car, but maybe you're not. So just understand that. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, and I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.